everybody. Welcome to GRE Bytes. My name is Davis. I'm an educator with over 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, the founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you your weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. For more information, you can always check us out at stellargre.com. Okay, so today let's, let's zoom out. We've had a lot of episodes kind of zoomed into particular strategies and particular sections, um, even you know, how to deal with the, the mental landscape of taking it. But let's just zoom big picture for a minute and talk about, I'm a student, anybody's a student, going in to take the GRE, how much time are they gonna wanna budget to prepare for the GRE in general, broad yeah. strokes? It's a great question. It's one that I get very often from students who initially reach out for my services. Unfortunately, it's hard to give them a very satisfying, definite answer. Does it depend on the student's capabilities? What is it? Well, it depends on a lot of things. Capabilities is, is um, it's, it's one of those. I mean, some people are just faster learners than others, but I'm kind of under the impression that everyone can get better at this test, though some people are gonna improve at different rates. Some of that is based on ability. Some of that is based on how hard they work and also how smart they work. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes applying efforts in more strategic ways yields greater benefits than just massive action. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why is because everybody's different. Uh, some people come to me and they have, they have extremely low baselines, they haven't done any preparations on their own, um, and they're kind of low scorers, looking for maybe just above the median. Other folks come to me and they've already done a lot of prep on their own, they're maybe even scoring in the, in the low to mid 160s and want just a couple extra points at the ceiling of the test. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is different, but because that's not a very satisfying answer, this is also what I've come up with. So when I, um, when I engage with students in private tutoring, I always give them a free diagnostic test to take before we meet. That mm -hmm. gives students a very concrete and objective baseline. Mm -hmm. If you if you listener wants to figure that out on your own, one of the best ways to do that is to download and take one of ETS's free power prep exams. It's a full length diagnostic and you will get raw and scaled scores at the end of your administration. And that's kind of like where you're starting, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so those are your baselines. The next thing I do in a, an initial consultation is I gather more information about student goals and um, specifically about their target scores. I think we did an episode about this where target scores are the median scores for successful applicants at mm -hmm. their top program of interest. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that scoring significantly above that median does not increase a student's chances of gaining admission to that program. Mm -hmm. This is because the best possible outcome on the GRE is not the securement of a positive, but the avoidance of a negative. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to dodge a bullet. No one gets in because of the GRE, they get in because of goodness. You're trying to pass this filter in the application process. Yeah, and if you can score at or around the median of successful applicants, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Let it go, move on to other things, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so it's really important to know what those targets are because that gives us a delta between baseline scores and target scores. And that delta can be expressed uh, in terms of either raw or scaled points here. Um, and basically, the bigger the gap, the more time you're likely going to have to spend preparing for the test. The smaller the gap, mm -hmm. the less time you'll have to spend preparing. Makes sense, right? Yeah. So um, let's say that you want to improve 10 points on the quant and the verbal. So that's a, that's a significant improvement. 
I've seen students do that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's also important to keep in mind, well, which 10 points are we talking about? Going from a 145 to a 155 is substantially easier than going from a 160 to a 170. Right. That's extremely difficult. So the closer you get to the ceiling of the test, it's sort of like the speed of light. It requires more and more effort and energy to make smaller and smaller gains, mm -hmm. okay? So if you're in the fat part of the curve, the, the normal distribution, you can make more significant gains with less effort. That's another mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind. Um, and there's also the fact that most people have um, differences usually significant differences between their scores on the various aspects of the test, the writing, the verbal, and the quant. Um, I think in psychology we call it decollage. Decollage? I think that's what it's. It's a French word. I'm um, probably butchering I'm it. familiar with that. But so basically, let me just glean the meaning out of this. If you score, like for example, in your experience, have you found that people require more time if they want to see a bigger pr uh, improvement on verbal, or does quant take generally more time oh. of prep? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if you want to see the improvements there. Yeah, in general, students can make faster and more significant gains on the quant than on the verbal. Okay. Verbal takes longer to improve. Why is that? Is it just because of its sheer vocabulary? It's that's more... partly. I mean, your vocabulary will exert a ceiling on your verbal score. If you don't know 70, if, if you only know 70% of the words on any given section, you're probably have to, you're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to miss some points on the verbal section. And it's harder to improve because there are literally tens of thousands of words in English that you could be tested on. There's not like a master vocab list. And so improving the vocab ceiling is time consuming and frustrating because you can learn literally thousands of words and maybe two of them show up on the test. Mm -hmm. So it's a, but you, you do have to improve your vocabulary if that's the bottleneck on your verbal score. Right. It's also very hard to learn to read for comprehension in a week or two. Right. Reading takes years. I mean, it took you and me when we were children years to really learn to read and maybe a decade to kind of like get good and enjoy reading. You know, a lot of people don't enjoy reading because it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. People generally don't enjoy things that they're not effortless, mm -hmm. that don't come effortlessly. So um, I, I get that. The, on the flip side, it's faster and easier to improve on the quant because um, there's really only 50 types of quantitative questions. I think we've talked about that. In my system, there are 50 quantitative diagnostic categories. Mm -hmm. And there's like a clever strategy or technique associated with each one of those question types. And the vast majority of cases, the only thing that changes are the values involved on these quant questions. So if you can like it's do pattern recognition, diagnose the type of question you're dealing with. You can remember the strategy technique that worked for that question 10 times in the past. It's probably going to work the 11th time with mm -hmm. just the new values. Mm -hmm. So it's, you can prepare on a much more granular level for quantitative questions that mm -hmm. you can't on verbal because so much depends on the vocabulary, the passages. You can only prepare in a more general sense. You have to be more flexible and mm -hmm. high level with verbal but you can really get down to the specifics with quant, where it's just like, just do this sequence of steps and you'll get the question right. So is there is there a baseline, a, a threshold at which you'll see positive gains? Like you mentioned, for example, you're not gonna be able to really improve your quant section by, by just, I mean, your verbal section by just a, you know one to two weeks. And I'm guessing that you know uh, cramming is not something that you can really do for the no. GRE. So what's the threshold at which you know you have a balanced but 
but still maybe aggressive preparation preparatory period is there i want to i'm just trying to get the bounds like what's the minimum number of weeks and then what's the amount of weeks that you don't want to go past prepping because like, oh, it just yeah. becomes too long well uh, i mean i i think that in general people spend between two and three months preparing for this test okay and one of the best things that you can do is figure out your baseline scores to figure out which side you're stronger and which side you're weaker in. If you're weaker in verbal, you should get busy learning vocabulary as soon as possible. And the good news is, is that there's a lot of free to low cost resources to improve your GRE vocabulary. Um, and if you can do what you can to learn as many new words as you can, then you're going to position yourself to make better, take better, better advantage of the verbal sets that you eventually practice with. Um, if you're scoring high in the writing and the verbal and you're scoring lower in the quant, maybe you can get away with doing, I don't know, a month and a half to, to two months only. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the less, how do I put this? Personally, I, I approach GRE prep sort of like a, in a boot camp metaphor. Mm -hmm. uh, I th I'd like to go hard and fast to artificially prioritize this in my life for a shorter amount of time and to attack it aggressively so that I can improve my score as quickly as possible and move on with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. The danger is if, if you can't prioritize GRE prep for various reasons because you have a job, you have relationships, you mm -hmm. have a family, it's like I get it. Um, the, the longer the prep goes on, the more likely life is just sort of going to get in the way mm -hmm. and something is going to come up that will require your time and attention over and above the GRE. The longer you draw out the prep, the more likely that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So the shorter and more aggressive and intensive your prep, the less likely you're going to get derailed and the more likely you can strike when the iron is hot because you'll take the test closer to your aggressive efforts to improve. So that's concrete, great, valuable advice I feel about how to train uh, yourself for for maximizing your GRE score right there just concrete focus prioritize it for a shorter period of time and then strike while the iron's hot um, I appreciate your thoughts and reflections and guidance on this particular topic uh, and I thank you all for tuning in we'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode GRE bites if you have a topic you'd like to discuss of course please uh, let us know at StellarGRE at gmail.com. And if you're interested in either GRE prep or grad school consulting, check out StellarGRE.com. Talk to you again soon.